We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. (laughs) Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com. Com Z E P H Y R Epic. Check them out on all platforms Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, whatever it is. They've got you covered for all of your trading card needs. We've got a lot on the desk right now. Our trading card needs are on full display for everyone to see. My name is Dave Wadrelli. I'm joined as always by Harmon Dial, our technical producer. The man at the controls is Grady Sass. It's a fun day today. It's a fun, it's the sun is shining. The Canucks are at the top of the Western Conference, just like we all thought they would be by mid-November. Harmon, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I can't wait to get to Dom uh, shortly here. Perfect timing too. Quinn Hughes scores the OT winner. So uh, we'll, we'll be ready to, to grill him. We just want to talk, Dom. Hopefully he was awake. Hopefully he was awake. <laughs> Either that or maybe at least caught the morning highlights. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dom Lecision from The Athletic is going to join us. Uh, we're going to talk to him about Quinn Hughes. Don't worry, folks. Uh, so if you have questions for Dom, hit us up in the YouTube live chat. Let's just see what people roll in with. Um, we are looking forward to that. That will be in a matter of moments. Quick show plan today just for people to kind of know what they're getting into today. We're going to start with Dom, and then we're going to go on to the Canucks beating Bo Horvat and those New York Islanders. We're going to go to that next. Uh, and then... We have like our poll question from Atlas Goods, which is about the Canucks being a contender. If you haven't voted on it yet and you're on the YouTube live show, go check it out at Canucks Convo on Twitter. Go vote in the poll question. I'm curious what people are going to say. And then in the anyone else section of the show presented by DoorDash, we're going to have a little bit of fun. I just can't fathom, by the way, big picture. If you would have told people that before the season, There'd be one team sitting number one in the Western Conference and the other sitting near the bottom of the NHL standings. One is the Oilers, one is the Canucks. Nobody would have predicted that it'd be Vancouver on top and that it'd be Edmonton near the basement. Yep. It's the Uno reverse card. (laughs) It literally is. It quite literally is of the NHL standings. And the fact that the Canucks now have Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson, JT Miller sitting at the top of the NHL point leaderboard. That's crazy. Like Brock we, Besser. Brock Besser leading the league in goals. We would not have expected this, folks. Nobody was expecting this. Um, but anyways, Dom's here. Uh, is, is he ready to go? We'll, we'll see if he's uh, ready because I'm, I'm very excited for this interview. 
Um, probably getting his mics figured out. But the one thing I wanted to mention about last night as well, <clears throat> and there's a few things, let's be honest, there's a few things to mention about last night, but we predicted it, man. Our Betway bet of the day yesterday, you and I both immediately, not, we didn't We didn't even talk to each other. We didn't know that both of us were going to pick this. We both picked JC Miller to score in that game. You knew it was going to happen, and you're learning how to use your vibes. You're learning how to use your gut feelings. You're learning them. I love it. It's hard to get away from the calculator, but it was a nice change of pace. Just lean on vibes. And yeah, there was just something with Bo Horvat being in town, JT Miller essentially being the player that, that the Canucks chose over Bo Horvat and the stakes of the game, how hot JT has been rolling, how much the Isles have been struggling. It just felt like JT was going to be the one to put the dagger into Bo and the Isles. And what a fantastic back and forth game for JT to put the cap off, springing Hughes and OT. To do exactly that. Yeah, absolutely. And JT maybe wasn't the most generous guy yesterday, but someone who is was Dom Lashishan. He's my generous guy today. Generosity lives in the small things. It doesn't need money, an audience, or even acknowledgement. It just needs a few good people. Crown Royal, Crown everything. Let's bring him in. Our generous guy of the day, presented by Crown Royal, Dom Lashishan. And Dom, I, do you know that there is a video on YouTube of you pronouncing your own name? One oh. sec, he's grabbing headphones. There he is. Uh, I'm very sorry. I saw that you guys were going to do an ad read. And then I'm like, I have time. I have time. Should I get headphones? Harm's like, yes. And then... <laughs> nice one, Harm. You got the the flying skate hat on. Uh, I sure do. Um, Did you have to go buy that right before the show? Uh, no, I've had it since I think last year. I have like 10 different teams or so. I don't know if you guys saw the tweet from earlier in the year where... My dog ate my devil's hat. Um, she, did, <laughs> she luckily did not eat this one. Um, so I wear it to this show. That's awesome. Dom, thank you so much for taking the time today. The question on every Canucks fan's mind, why do you hate Quinn Hughes? Uh, it's a great question, uh, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't hate Quinn Hughes at all. Uh, I will tell a little story about my fantasy hockey league where before the season started, I was desperately trying to acquire Quinn Hughes. Uh, there was this guy in my league who trades everyone um, and does it quickly, has no patience, and you can always tell when he's ready to move on because the player is like turns 24 or something. He's like the Leonardo DiCaprio of our hockey league. <laughs> he needs the young players. Uh, I traded, I think, Mika Zibanejad and something else for Jack Hughes. Uh, when Hughes was 21, just before he broke out. So I tried to get Quinn, get the brother connection, um, did not work out. And I'm more mad about that than anything he's done this year. I think he's been amazing, obviously. And I think we can all agree he has never played at this level for this this consistently. Uh, and that it was okay to have him in Tier 3B before the season and definitely less okay the more he does this. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you, Dom, if you were to do player tiers again right now, where do you think Quinn would slot? Like, I think he would definitely be in tier two. You at least have to flip him with Rasmus Dahlin because I think before the season started, a lot of people trusted what Dahlin did last year more than Hughes. I think both of them, they're sort of points guys on the on defense, and there's nothing against that, I think it's important to produce offense from the back end. There's value in that, but the public tends to overrate that compared to a lot of models, even my model, which uses points. And 
they overrate that relative to a lot of the analysts who work for teams right now and who have models that are, I guess, more, I'm not sure the, the word they have better data, obviously, because they have tracking data. They can look at different things and look at the things that lead to actually creating offense outside of points. And if you look at Corey Schneider's tracking data from before the year started, Quinn Hughes didn't look as good as anyone in tier two, didn't look as good as Makara Fox in tier one. And I think this year that has changed where he is become a huge focal point of the offense in not to say that he hasn't been before, but just to this elite level that would put him with the tier two guys and surpassing some of them to date so far. Dom, we reference your model a lot. You know, it's in every athletic article is what I always like to say to Harmon, but can you just explain kind of what goes into your model? Cause we've seen its use before, but like what goes into your model just for our listeners who maybe don't know what it is. Uh, basically it's a combination of all the things that many people already use. It's just putting it together into one neat little package. So you have, I think the way I like to explain it is that Trice combines uh, production with play driving. So on one side, you have how much how many points a player gets. Goals are worth more than first assists. First assists are worth more than second assists. And you also add some ability to generate expected goals yourself. So someone like Brady Kachuk, maybe he's not a great finisher, but the fact he's getting all those chances, he gets a bit more credit for that. Um, and then there's the play driving aspect where it is what happens while you're on the ice and you try to do everything you can to put that into context, whether that is using relative metrics, using quality of competition and teammate adjustments to sort of get the right ballpark. And it's also not forgetting what actually happens out there. Uh, there's a lot of people who only use expected goals uh, for on ice metrics. And I think that can mislead you because there are a lot of times where over a large enough sample, you will see players outperform expected goals, especially offensively, but sometimes even defensively. Uh, I think one example is the Devils, where they have Jonas Siegenthaler and John Marino. And if you look at just XG, you're like, Siegenthaler is the better defenseman. Why isn't he being used to shut down uh, top competition or whatever? And Marino has had a trend where every year his goals against numbers are better than his expected goals against numbers. And Siegenthaler is the exact opposite. So there might be something there where the expected goals models aren't factoring that in. And I include that uh, for offense and defense. I'm glad you sort of referenced that, you know, on an individual player level that expected goals, goal models aren't always perfect. Uh, there's been a lot of regression talk with the Canucks lately. And I think, I think Canucks fans know that, Hey, this isn't a team that by the end of the year is probably going to be competing for the top of the Western conference crown. Uh, but I think people are still optimistic this is going to be a playoff team. And there's been a lot of talk, and, and you wrote an article earlier today sort of referencing this as well, is looking at how much of a disparity there is between the Canucks' goal differential versus their expected goal differential. Um, but one aspect that I think has sort of flown under, under the radar is if you look at some of the other sort of metrics that look at how the Canucks are controlling even strength play, um, namely shot volume, Corsi, whatever you want to call it, Canucks actually rank 11th in the NHL in that sort of department. Do you think that is being 
um, sort of discussed or weighed enough because it feels like everybody's talking about expected goals, expected goals. Canucks don't look great, but I'm also seeing, especially in a small sample size, um, you know, some of these shot volume metrics, which shine a much more positive light on the team's performance so far. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I really just, it depends on what tools you use. And obviously 15 games in, there's going to be a lot of different ways to look at things. And it's why I usually just go with the old model, which I will remind people had the Canucks at 60% to make the playoffs before the year started. And I had so many comments saying, what do you mean you think the Canucks are better than the crack? And I'm like, I, that's what the model said. You make some good points, but I don't know. I'm going to stick with that. And the Canucks, I think after their first win where they won 8-1, I fed that one game of the model and it shot them up a lot. And I think it pointed to a signal of what this team can do, which is score and save above expectations. I think there is a limit to that, and that's where the regression talk comes in. I think some people get it misconstrued where as soon as you hear regression, you think, oh, you think our team sucks. You think they're going to be bad. You think this hot streak means they're going to have a cold streak. And none of that is true. It's just that what the Canucks are doing is exceptionally rare and that sort of thing doesn't last. But they're the kind of team that can do it to a smaller degree. And going forward, that's closer to what I would expect than what they're doing now. And I think... The big thing is that even if they regress, they're not regressing to like a 70-point team or an 80-point team. Like I think they're a 95, 100-point team in that ballpark. So that's what I expect going forward rather than their current pace of 130 points or whatever it is. And that's the regression talk where they've banked enough points that the playoffs aren't, I think, what you should be wondering about. I think they're pretty safe there. I think they have a 90 six percent chance according to my model this morning and the bigger thing is have they banked enough points to maybe make a realistic threat to the vision because the other thing with all this regression talk and canucks being above expected is that the team they're challenging is the same think uh, vegas has done that during the playoffs so maybe there's a bit more belief they can do it but they've had the same type of underlying process and i I think I'm lower than Vegas than the betting markets are and higher on the Canucks than the betting markets are, but it's just not as high as I think some Canucks fans want me to be where they want me to tweet every day at 1 a.m. that the Canucks are a wagon <laughs> that are never going to lose. Um, and it's just about being a little realistic about what the team can be because I think we've all seen this film before where the team gets off to a hot start and you wonder what are they really and for the canucks if they keep playing like they did yesterday against the islanders then they can be like a legit contender right now i think they just have potential to get there but they should be a a playoff team no doubt dom is that the daily bugle set behind you sure is um i don't know which way to turn yeah i've got the daily bugle we got the jazz club beside it nice Um, i thought it was the jazz club i didn't want to misspeak but i thought it was that one of the reasons I got the Daily Bugle is because you can actually connect it with those modular buildings. Yes, yes. Um, so got a nice little neighborhood cooking up uh, back there. Uh, call it Canuck Street. Uh, <laughs> got everyone living rent-free over there. <laughs> yeah, you're getting the Avengers Tower next. Dom, thanks for doing this, man. Much appreciated. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Thanks, Dom. Dom Lushusian.
of the athletic and he missed my question at the start which i feel bad about but it was a great question i wanted to know we get you gotta text him about it ask him if he knows that there's a youtube video of him pronouncing his own name because <laughs> we were he must know we were in the we're in the office i was like okay he's your co-worker how do i pronounce his name you're like i think there's something on youtube and we went looking and we found it and it was him pronouncing his name and my criticism was that it sounded like he pronounced it three different ways in all of those videos it was close enough it was close enough I, but you should have some you know it should be the same when you say your anyways I've got a keyboard shortcut for his name. I don't know if he knows this because especially having to um, reference his model a lot in my uh, in my articles, I have no clue how to spell his last name besides like L-U-S and then just smashing my keyboard. I just learned Brustevich. Like I, I know how to spell Hunter Brustevich. Like I could do it off the top of my head, no problem. I, I, I can't do Dom's It's name. just more efficient for me to be like Dom's and then spacebar and then my keyboard just autofills his last name in. <laughs> Efficiency, baby. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, our thanks again to Dom LeCision for joining us on today's episode. Okay, now it's time to recap that beautiful game we saw last night, Harmon. And this is what I wrote in my instant reaction over at Canucks Army, and I'm sure you kind of feel the same way, is that there was a lot of talk and a lot of fanfare going into that game last night. And, you know, we knew about all the storylines, and the game itself didn't disappoint, Right. Look, maybe it's their history. Anytime you face the Islanders, you're like, oh, here comes a boring game. That was everything but boring. That game was so much fun to watch. It was back and forth. Was it 42 shots for the Canucks when all was said and done and 35 for the Islanders? Something like that. High shot totals is all I really know. Uh, It was a high-flying game. There was some turnovers. There There was a lot in that game that it was really just entertaining. And it was just a moment for me where I kind of sat back and said, you know what? That was one of the more entertaining hockey games I've ever seen in terms of just pure entertainment value. Um, I think it also has to do with obviously what we knew about Horvat. You know, there was the drama with Kuzmenko going down after taking a shot to the face. And look, that's awful. Don't get me wrong. But like your concern level was raised in that game for a player, right? Like there was all these different things. And I'm I, trust me, I'm not saying Kuzmenko getting injured was entertaining in any way. I'm just saying that the story that was that game just did not disappoint at all. It was unbelievable too, because once again, I think it was a testament to the Canucks' resilience in that game where you go down 2-0, which hasn't happened many times at all this season. And the Canucks, again, in years past, this this team would not have had the fortitude to come back in a game like that, especially when the building went went quiet. It was eerily silent there because I think everybody was amped up for the start of the game and then just two two Islanders goals to start it and it was pin drop silent in that type of environment for the Canucks to sort of climb their way back into the game in the second period mm-hmm. and not just once but if you'll remember once the Canucks made it 2-1 after a power play goal both scored again or both scored for the Islanders yep. Shortly after to make it three one, and again it just sort of sort of felt like the Canucks' momentum had um, like it was the dagger there. could have it been the dagger. Like it was the dagger yeah. The building was quiet again, and yet the Canucks just kept working and working yep. and working. And again, another outstanding night for the Connor Garland. Exactly. Uh, Joshua Without Pia Suter even, their main center is replaced by Teddy Bluger. Uh, Suter's day-to-day, that was the update we got from Talk It, but talk about it. That line with Teddy Bluger, not even with their regular center in Suter, who obviously has a little bit more offensive upside than Teddy Bluger does, still driving it, and it looked like Connor Garland was the guy behind it all. Still the same speed, still the same tenacity, hounding the puck, 
Bluger was effective on the four check too, even though he doesn't have the offensive chops to sort of finish chances, right? Yeah. Felt like Joshua and Garland were able to set him up for a bunch of great A's. And I feel like if Suter had been in the lineup in that spot, he would have, based off his recent form, buried at least one of them. Yeah. But still, I mean, drawing three penalties. And yeah. given how red hot the power play has been, that right there, they deserve they deserve an assist. Yeah, like each one of them, Garland and Joshua, they were the ones that combined drew three penalties. They each deserve an assist for putting the power play in a position where they could cook. Uh, Vancouver's man advantage was just unstoppable. I mean, watching it these days is even when they don't score, they just so consistently threaten, create pressure, control the puck. It's unbelievable to watch. This was something I asked Quinn Hughes about last night because I was watching the power play get working and there was an instance on the third power play of the game for the Canucks where Quinn was walking the line and he fed Elias Pettersson for what looked to be a sure one-timer. The Islanders defenseman went down, went to go block the shot and Petey just did a slap pass immediately to JT Miller. Like it looked like it was a, like Hughes talks about it. It is a set play. They know what they're doing, but you just it's almost like you feel like okay we i don't know if we just can't hear it but like is quinn hughes yelling all right one two or whatever like they have a code for each play they're gonna do because like these guys just know where they're going and it's not that that's not what's actually happening it's just that the players this is what quinn said the players are so smart and they just know where each other's going to be and they know what options each guy's going to have so they're able to just identify like okay a bumper play is about to start cooking or we we're, we have something at the side of the net here and it's just like you said it's like magic on ice and i think the thing that is so different about this year's power play than last year's power play is just the amount of movement we're seeing like we when, when was the last time we saw quinn hughes like behind the opposing net on a power play do you know what i mean like they're just moving around so much on this power play and it's making them incredibly effective, obviously. But like you look at the really great power plays, the Oilers last year with their historically great power play that they had, that was the name of the game for the Oilers was that movement. Like everybody knew where they wanted to be and they were able to adapt. Like if you don't have a look one way, okay, McDavid and Dreisel are switching and you know, on the Heronic shot as well, the one that was originally 107.9 obviously came back down to, 100.39 I think was what it was adjusted to but with that goal that's an that's a result of Hughes and Hronik switching sides and that was on the power play like Hronik gets his first goal of the season because he was replacing Andre Kuzmenko on the power play and look for Hronik to be able to get that shot off is impressive enough for it to be clocked in at 107.9 was re- way past impressive but what I just thought was that was a great great way to just highlight how this power play moves, even if it's two defensemen, they swap sides. And we've seen them do that a lot at five on five all over the ice. But the the way they swap sides there, that's what opened up that chance for Heronic to score that goal. Yeah. So two things for starters, I think Rick Tockett deserves a ton of credit because I remember having him on uh, the van cast in the summer. And when we were having a discussion with him about the power play and how to adjust to life without Bo, because Horvat, since the 2020 season, I believe, had been by by and far the Canucks' leading scorer yeah. on the power play. And we were sort of talking about how, how do you adjust and, and how do you help this power play take the next step. And Talkin wasn't just speaking about the bumper. He spoke about, yeah, well, we'll look at Brock in that spot. We'll look, we'll look at uh, Kuzmenko. One of the things that he really emphasized that I immediately found interesting was 
he highlighted how Edmonton's power play, yes, everybody talks about their skill. Yes, everybody talks about their movement. But he also referenced that one thing they did so masterfully well that the Canucks needed to emulate was their work on puck recoveries. Because a lot of times what happens is you'll take a shot and a rebound gets sprayed into the corner. Or if there's an errant pass or a pass goes off a defender stick, you've got to be able to be first on that puck. And that's where there's been such an increase in the team's, I think, battle level. Like watching Brock yeah. Besser, for example, I've never seen Brock Besser work this intensely and hard away from the puck to get it back. Yeah. I mean, in the Dallas game, for example, he rocked SL and Dell. And I'm like, I've never seen Besser showing that type of desperation to try and get pucks back. And so it's a combination of that. It's also a combination of the wicked hand-eye coordination that Hughes has on those subtle keep-ins where puck's being rimmed around and he makes it look so easy. When I'll tell you for a fact, most NHL defensemen could not pull those plays off. And even Elias Pedersen, how many times a puck is rimmed around the wall in a difficult spot and how seamlessly he takes it off his backhand despite having a penalty killer right on him and he's able to, in tight quarters, pass it back to the point. The Canucks just have this ability to, even when the play gets scrambly or broken, they somehow recover, get the puck back, and help sustain pressure. And that makes sure that you're not constantly going back into your defensive zone, having to then set up in the offensive zone, work work on entries, and it just ensures that you're just always parked with sustained pressure, which is what breaks a defense down. I know we were in diapers when this happened, but those teams, like the 2011 team, and we weren't actually in diapers at that time. But Ryan Kessler, that's what he did so well for that power play, right? Like, you know, obviously the Sedins were smart. And it's, you know, the Sedins a similar way to kind of how Elise Pedersen wins board battles. But Kessler was just an absolute hound getting the puck back. Like, if you shoot and it's either stopped or it goes wide, Kessler was more often than not always the first guy on that puck. And he was getting it right back to the point. And that's what made that power play so effective. And it's so interesting to see this team now doing that and like you said a guy like Besser who we just haven't seen that from in the past being so tenacious on the puck and obviously we've seen that at five on five but for it to translate to the power play just in in recent years it's been a good power play but how many times have we seen them just oh okay well we're gonna give up right here and it's gonna get cleared they're just they're not giving the defensemen or the penalty killers at all any time and space to decide what they're gonna do with the puck they just they don't have the time the way this power play is playing right now the other kudos that Taka deserves is for his decision to put Hironik on the ice in the first place once yep. uh, Kuzmenko got hurt because looking at um, sorry Grady I, I didn't see your thing in the chat I'll, oh I'll, good no 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 worries I was just gonna say the the 2011 team flashing back to that era what did they have on the point they had Airhoff, they had Salo unleashing those bombs what have we seen this year out of Quinn Hughes? He's shooting more. He's actually become a lethal shooting threat. Now teams are starting to play him a bit more. And what yeah. does that do? That opens a spot for Pedersen on the far side. Brock Besser, JT Miller, like they can walk in and, and get those shots off. And to your point, Harm, about um, Quinn holding the puck in to keep it on side, the Besser goal we saw last night, if you watch Hughes, he gets over to the sideboards, takes the puck on his backhand, and is able to get it to Miller down low which then we saw one of the most filthiest saucer passes to brock in front so having those different dimensions on that power play now uh with hughes's uh, shot evolving it just opens up so many different options all of a sudden you don't have that stagnant predictive power play like you know we saw 
last year and the year before. And, and it was still performing, but now teams are like, well, who are we going to defend now? There's just, there's just options, too many options there, much like that 2011 team, which we saw with uh, Airhoff and Salo. We're going to get to anyone else soon, but Corey Anderson had something in the chat that I really want to get to because it's further to what Grady said. He said, can we take a moment to realize that after Kuzmenko, Tockett believes Hironic is the next most talented player on the roster. And hey, he got in there. He scored the goal. We saw Scott Mayfield kind of jump out of the way. And as we transition, I'm going to ask, uh, we'll get to our poll question in a second here, Grady. But question for both of you, Grady, you can feel free to chime in after Harmon here. How much money would it take you to suit up regular players gear and to just sit and block a Philip Ronick slap shot. No Specifically less. the one that was taken last night. <laughs> no less than a million. No less. I, <laughs> hey, man, I'm right there with, you know what? In all seriousness, though, like, I think I would do it for like, like, I think you could, I think you could persuade me for like $500,000. Like a million is the number yeah. everyone goes to. I think like 500 grand's a good number. And like, what, like, what's the worst that could happen? I, I'm wearing a full face guard. First of all, yeah. I'm, I'm wearing a fishbowl. I ain't wearing a visor for that. Okay. <laughs> $500,000, I would suit up and like open up. Like, I also used to play goalie, so there's that too. But, I was just going to say, put yeah. the goalie pads on quads. I don't need to do well, it no, for no, no, any no. money. That's I'll the do thing. it for free. That's the thing, Grady. You don't have goalie pads. That's what makes everybody doing a goalie question. Goalie pads, you don't feel it unless it hits you in the face, obviously. But look, if you're dressed as a player, you're, you're wearing player gear to block a Philip Ronick slap shot, specifically the one that was taken last night. How much would it take you, Grady? Hmm. 2000 bucks but 2, i want i want shop lockers i want shin pads i want wrist guards i'm wearing a cage for that thousand you can churn me all you want yeah you know what maybe five hundred thousand. a million's too high i think yeah, everybody okay. the people yeah. in the chat someone are like ten thousand. oz nuck our australian listener crazy guy here goes, i'll eat the pucks yeah oz nuck goes five dollars i would do it for five dollars hope you got a good dental plan yeah, no there, kidding <laughs> Well, I, oh. all I'd say is I'd, I'd want an ambulance on standby for my broken bone. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But you'd have the money to pay for your medical bills, which yeah. I guess, you know, anyways. One thing, just to go back to what Corey brought up in terms of having Heronic on the ice, the reason I think that deserves a lot of credit is because, look, in a five-on-four situation, I think it would be pretty straightforward to have Heronic because of a shot. But five-on-three, you're looking to probably most of the time work the puck down low and take shots from closer to the net, the inner slot, that sort of thing. And Hronik is most dangerous as a sort of perimeter shooting threat, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it would have been easy to look at that five on three scenario and go, okay, do we want another forward in there? Especially since it's conventional to have four forwards and one defenseman. So in that context to have Hronik out there, I think that's what made it such a smart decision over, let's say having Connor Garland. I love it. Let's get to our poll question. Brought to you by the great folks over at Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 for 15% off your first order of pop rinds. These are the best fresh pork rinds straight from your microwave or air fryer. Our poll question today, are the Canucks a legit contender? Yes, no, ask me in a month. And as always, I'm angry. 28% of voters saying yes, the Canucks are a contender. 11% 11% have to think Dom's in there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> say no. 11% of people say no. They are not a contender, a legit contender. 60, excuse me, 59% of voters say, ask me in a month. Ask me in a month. December, mid-December, if the Canucks are still at the top of the Western Conference, they're a contender for sure if they're in that spot in a month. So I think that's a safe 
answer. Say, ask me in a month. But I know Jfresh was pointing this out. Canucks don't have the hardest schedule coming up, right? Like, it's not the hardest schedule. And look, this is the conversation I was having with JPAD on Rinkwide a few days ago was just that this schedule isn't very difficult. So it was in the context of Philip Peronik's point streak that, yeah, I, I predicted he would get a point against the New York Islanders. Sure enough, he scores his first goal. I think if he gets a point tonight, he, and someone correct me in the chat, Grady, I don't know if you know it. Um, if he gets a point tonight, I believe he sets the Canucks franchise record point streaks by a defenseman i think dennis kearns dennis kearns yep at 11 is is it right and he's at 11 right now so if he gets one tonight it's 12 i think i'm surprised Hughes hasn't had a point that's, that long, that's right? what i was gonna say quinn Hughes is all over the canucks record books already <laughs> and he's gonna be in in due time he's gonna be at the top of everything but i was so surprised that that record didn't belong to quinn hughes quinn hughes isn't even i think the longest quinn hughes had is like eight or nine I again, I know that yeah. we make that sound like it's bad, but look, I just, I, you would have thought that yeah. Quinn Hughes would be in there. I think to go back to the original question about the Canucks and confidence level and them being legit cup contenders or not, ask me closer to the trade deadline because yep. you're right, the next month schedule's pretty soft. And we've also sort of seen examples of teams that last week when we were talking about sort of, underlying metrics and PDO and that sort of stuff. We've seen teams like the president's trophy winning capitals that they coasted through the regular season and, you know, had a similar profile to the Canucks and then got upset in the first round. Sure. Same sort of thing with Chicago finished third in the NHL league wide standings um, swept in the first round by Nashville the, in six, in 2016, 2017. So I think closer to the trade deadline, we'll be able to separate the noise and look at the signal and sort of have a more definitive answer of where this team is at, because uh, for as well as they've played, there are still holes on the back end, right? There are still parts of the roster that make you a little bit nervous. They're still really reliant on, uh, on, on the top stars to score, even though that third line has gotten going recently. So I think for me, my answer would be actually none of those. It'd be, I'll, I'll have a better handle on that closer to the deadline. I don't disagree necessarily with you, Harm, but I'm going to go within the next month. And I do know that they have a softer schedule, but they play the Colorado Avalanche. They play the Vegas Golden Knights. They got games against the Hurricanes, the Devils, Lightning, Panthers. You know, some some of the top teams in the NHL. Um, we're getting closer to that American Thanksgiving benchmark that, you know, it's often used as like, okay, this is a good enough sample now. We can ex- start to extract data. Um, in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. And if the Canucks can go in, you know, don't necessarily have to beat the Golden Knights and Avs while it would be great, but actually show that they can contend and they can hang out. You know, if they can grab points and say three out of four, or even two out of four, and they show, you know, they can hang with the big boys, then I think we're going to start to get, you know, enough of a sample there. But mind you, they do have games against the Sharks, the Ducks, Kraken haven't been great. So. Uh, obviously more games to work with is better for the sample size, but uh, I think, I think we should have a good understanding with the, uh, where this team's at in the next month or so. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. 
Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be, to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Yuffie X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Canucks in Calgary tonight. Let's get to our Betway bet of the day, because like yesterday... Feels like a no-brainer, folks. Our Betway bet of the day brought to you, of course, by Betway. The Vancouver Canucks to win in Calgary. We're not overthinking it, folks. Vancouver Canucks on the money line at plus 125 odds. A $10 bet returns you $22.50 over at Betway. Must be 19 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Uh, Any thoughts about tonight's game in Calgary? I'm most interested about what the lineup looks like. Suter was day-to-day. Kuzmenko said he was fine on Instagram, but I I don't know if he'll play in a back-to-back scenario. I think those are the big questions is lineup, but also managing Quinn Hughes' minutes. Played almost 30 minutes last night, and I asked Talkin about this, and he kind of came back and said, well, we had five or six power plays in that game, so those aren't super hard minutes, and I get that to some extent, but um, I was asking Talkit in the context of Quinn spoke about numerous times how him and Adam Foote have managed his minutes and him being Rick Talkit in that sentence, excuse me, um, how Talkit and Foote have managed Quinn's minutes and how Quinn doesn't always like that and he always wants to be out there. But I was thinking about how important it is that the Canucks have gotten wins and found success on nights when they've been able to play Quinn under 22 minutes. Like, that's huge, especially for nights like this. This is how you keep your guys fresh. And it kind of goes back to the conversation I always have about uh, Thatcher Demko and Casey DeSmith, who gets the start tonight in Calgary. Um, Keeping Demko fresh is so important. Keeping Hughes fresh is equally, if not more, important. Yeah, definitely. I think for me tonight in Calgary, if Kuzmenko isn't able to go, I think there's, in my mind the heat starts to turn up on Anthony Bavillier because I look at him and I go, 
all right, who's going to move up to the top line? I don't think you want to break up that Garland Garland line right now. You just let them continue cooking. And so you think about, okay, who else could sort of move up the lineup? Maybe it's Hoaglander. Um, we saw Bovillier get a couple of shifts um, towards the end of uh, that third period with, uh, with the PD line. And if he's in that spot, he's really got to step it up. So people get mad at me for looking at the chat too much during the show. Because I didn't look at the chat, we missed that Linus Carlson is going to make his NHL debut tonight. Kuzmenko is officially out of the lineup. Uh, so Linus Carlson is going to make his debut. We're going to have very quick coverage of this over at Canucks Army. <laughs> like Linus Carlson got a chance with PD in the preseason. So we'll see what it looks like tonight. Um, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything that Linus Carlson's been doing in Abbotsford. But Dave Hall, our prospect guy. Um, I would bring him on right now. I think that'd be funny if we just brought him in. But anyways, um, Carlson's 24th birthday today. Oh, there you go. And it looks sounds like Hiroshi was sent back down. Uh, gotcha. J-Pat's been all over it. He's been checking the roster, see who's off. Who's yeah, on, he didn't off. write it for Canucks Army. Oh, anyways, just tweeted it. Dave Hall's going to be on top of that. Uh, it'll be up in moments at Canucks Army. So a little bit more clarity for the lineup. Tonight. But let's not talk too much about the game that hasn't happened yet. We'll talk about that game tomorrow on Friday's edition of Canucks combo but for now it's time for anyone else delivered to you by DoorDash it's our listeners chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat and it's also our listeners chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more that's right for a limited time our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25 that's all capital letters NATION25 25 offer value in Canada. So we've changed terms to apply. Okay. Anyone else? We've got a lot in here. And this is because I told people early, I said, Hey, get your anyone else's in. I don't want to have to be scrambling to find them. Uh, this is one we should start with Sam Ross. What year did everyone start watching the Canucks? He says 2002 for me. I also started watching them in like 2001, 2002, but I didn't become conscious that I was watching them <laughs> until about 2004, 2005. When my development, uh, when you start remembering things around the age of four or five, so probably like 2004, 2005. 2001, I was going to say, what are you yeah. going to say next? You're watching the Canucks in the womb. Yeah, my LeBron <laughs> moment. <laughs> I, I mean, I legit can't remember. <laughs> I, I mean, well, my like, dad was... Okay, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't like you became a fan in 2011. Yeah, no, okay. no. No, no, diehards right Come here. Diehards. Yeah, but it's right. funny though, because that was, I think we became sort of conscious and kids during when they actually started to get good. Like yes. 2008, 2009. I have no recollection of Mark Messier as Canuck. Like, See, that, that is something yeah, that doesn't no. exist for us. So it's like, we were spoiled. We were the <laughs> yeah, spoiled exactly. generation that we just expected the team to always be at the top of the standings. <laughs> and then when like 2014 started um, kicking around, Jim Benning takes over. It's like, Oh, so the Canucks aren't a contender every single year. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is when when we were watching them, yes, you're right. They were very good, but I didn't really and this is this is really funny actually if you think about it. I didn't really become like a diehard fan when I was like 15, 16 and it was from reading Botch's work. Like the Provies was what made me start to be a, like that's when I when I say diehard fan, I mean in terms of knowing like salary caps and learning what all the players are at and cap hits and all that sort of stuff and really knowing the team inside and out that was when it started when I was like 15 or 16 years old and then obviously like three years later I started writing about the team but yeah I was like 15 or 16 when I started reading botch and that was what got me into it I remember in 2014 this was Benning's first year and this was Willie Desjardins like the Canucks were doing well 
but I sort of 14 year old me looked at the team and sort of went, okay, they're, they're going to make the playoffs, but they're not actual cup contenders. They need to rebuild. So, so I wrote an article for Rob, and I wrote an article basically saying Canucks should blow it up oh. that, that they got to rebuild. And I remember seeing some of the Facebook comments were wild one of them was like you're more negative than the cancer ward at the hospital oh jeez so 13 year old harman reading this this scarred looking at those facebook comments and so that's the never read the comments by the way genesis of negative canucks media (laughs) funny you said messier my first canucks memory summer of 1997 uh I look into a motel room when I was in a Soyuz and I see Mark Messier being introduced um, by the general manager at the time wearing that Canucks uh, jersey with those that patent in his fists up in the air. So my fandom goes all the way back to 97, which were some also some dark years. But, uh, you know, they got through that. And then on came the West Coast Express era, which funny enough, this team, I think there's a, there's some similarities there in terms of how they play it up-tempo offense now goaltending is much better but and they have a star defenseman but in terms of entertainment like it's it's definitely given me flashbacks that's for sure this one from tony nom Pedersen has looked hesitant to shoot lately if it's another wrist injury should the canucks wait until later in the year to sign him in case it's an ongoing issue i don't think so uh j pat joined the show two days ago and talked about how at the optional practice keep in mind optional practice Pedersen's out there He's also doing face-off work. If it was a wrist injury, you wouldn't be doing face-offs. You wouldn't think. Like, I don't know, Patterson's built different, so maybe he would be doing it if he's injured. But I just, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the wrist. Like, I'm just thinking back to what we know. And obviously he blocked that shot from Tyler Myers in game two or three of the season. And then a day later, he had a maintenance day. That looked like more lower body to me. Like that didn't hit him on the wrist. So I, I just don't know. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it could be. Um, and I, I don't want to guess, and I definitely don't want to say don't sign him because of it, because I don't know. Like, the guy's playing, and he's doing fine. I mean, I mean, the doctors know what it is. So, again, this is us talking as media, right? Like, we don't know exactly what it is, but the Canucks doctors would know if this is going to need surgery. You'd hope. Um, and if it does, then maybe maybe you start to entertain the conversation of, okay, like let's just wait until surgery's done or whatever, but I don't, it's not at that stage yet. It doesn't seem. Yeah. Ultimately he he's taken obviously a couple maintenance days earlier in the season. Hasn't completely looked right lately, but we also don't know enough to speculate, at least from my perspective about what type of, like if he is playing through an injury, what type of injury it could be. Uh, and ultimately he's still right at the NHL um leaderboard in terms of points so it it doesn't concern me one bit in terms of signing him if if he says he's ready to sign a long-term extension today you don't hesitate you run to the offices get the pens and sign away okay this is an interesting one i want to get to it someone someone in here said uh quads i thought you've said before that you weren't a fan and it's like this is an interesting question because there's some in the media like and, and, you know, I say media and I'm I'm talking like, you know, some radio hosts and like, you know, Bruff is one of them who's proud to say he's a fan like Dollywall, uh, Don Taylor, all those guys like, you know, they, they, they want to see the Canucks win. And I think we also want to see the Canucks do well, mm-hmm. but it's interesting the word fan because what happened for me, at least I'll just speak on my own personal experience was 
when I started, I was a fan and I even used the word diehard fan. Like I knew all the salary caps. And I think that's what has helped me in media is, you know, knowing all the ins and outs that a lot of, a lot of fans maybe don't. So I, I knew all that about the team and I started to learn it about the NHL. But once it became my full-time job, that's when the fandom switched to like, oh no, the Canucks are playing. It's time to work. Like I'm a yeah. baseball fan. I'm able to watch a baseball game and just enjoy it. Obviously with hockey now, I'm not able to just enjoy a hockey game. I'm always watching for little things and stuff. And like, that's not to say like, oh, I know it's because I know the game. I, there's definitely things to learn when it comes to hockey, obviously. Right. But I just, I don't know, like using the word fan doesn't work for how I feel about anything with hockey. Like, I don't know. Like I, I've always asked myself this question of like, okay, if, if we didn't do this for work anymore, like all of a sudden one day, like, would you still watch every Canucks game? Because I definitely know I wouldn't. I, I, I like, I 100% know I wouldn't. I watch a lot of hockey. I don't know if I'd be watching every See, Canucks I, game. I think I would take a year off of hockey. Just with how much. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would take, like, a sense. year off of hockey. I think I'm in a similar boat. I obviously was a fan growing up. I didn't know how things would change once I started doing this as a full-time job. But definitely, once you work at it professionally day in, day out, and it's sort of your life in a way it's not your typical sort of yeah. day job i don't know and you're in the room and you're talking to players and everything it's just it becomes your job it's your career it's not yeah. like i definitely don't feel any like emotional fandom with the team anymore at least from personal experience yeah. but i still want the team to do well because we create content for canucks fans i want the people in the city um to have an exciting team to cheer for a uh, question from benjamin andrews in the chat for you Question for Harm, who's your barber? That fade looks clean. And you got the haircut two days ago. I, I, I noticed it. It looks good. Oh, uh, thanks, man. It's um, my boy, Matt Lumabi. On, he's on Instagram. Uh, I've, I've had the same barber since grade 12. Really? I, I'm, I'm never going to switch. I like that. I'm, I'm loyal. Once you find a guy who yeah. gives you a good fade, you just stick to the same barber. Did you ever go, like, I think it's a lot of people's experience. You used to go to the salon with your mom and they would just do oh, it. Oh, yeah. And then once, you, once you're, like, grade 11, grade 12, you find your own kind exactly. of place. And then you're, you know, I know some people are still looking. Like, I know some people that are, you know, they're still looking for that perfect fade. And I, I'm glad you found it because my my aunt owns a barbershop. Shout out Lynn Valley Barbershop uh, in North End. Whoa, my, I used to go there. Yeah, my aunt owns that barbershop. No and her her dad owned that barbershop as well. That, that thing's been in the community in the lynn valley community for like 60 years yeah. or maybe more than that but anyways um we're related anyways i'm not gonna just do a free ad here but she's been cutting my hair there's a photo of her cutting my hair when i was like my first haircut she did my first haircut and like i've i've gone to because like she'll be on vacation or whatever has happened i've gone to like three different barbers in my life and none of them have been as good so i have i've had the same barber since i was like a year old yeah, I, I had a cheap barber for a while, like the type that you just go with your parents. And then I ended up going there on my own just because I was like, oh, this is a barber I'm familiar with. Until grade 12, they sort of mangled one of my, like they mangled a cut to the point where I, <laughs> I had to, in my senior year, get a buzz cut. <laughs> so I was like, okay, never again. I'm investing in a proper barber. And once I find one, I'm being loyal for life. I love it. And I mean, I'm wearing a toque today, but that's just because I don't like doing my hair. Uh, someone someone had a problem with my toque. Someone didn't like my toque today, which you know I'm not gonna lie, it hurt my ears. You're going emo quads on us. Well, yeah, I got the I got the little yeah, but I don't know. I look, you know, trying to be in good shot. I look bald. No, I look bald. Look, I, I anyways, I'm not gonna get into it. 
Um, anyone, uh, anyone else? Let's see. Do we have anything else here? Uh, you've got one in the chat here. Frank Cervalli thinks 12.5 million AAV for eight years for PD's next deal. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. If it's I eight think that's a minimum. Yeah, right. Exactly. I, I, yeah, I think I think Frank even said at at minimum is what it would be, and I think that's it. We talked about on the other show uh, earlier this week. I threw out 13, maybe 14, and like that's a lot of money, but. I think eight years, that's what it's looking like. And I wonder, I wonder if they're going to go short or long-term. We'll have lots well, of time to talk about that. The Austin, If they're going to go short, then the template is the Austin Matthew what one, right? Four and years, 13.25, I want to say. You'd think he'd get less because he the doesn't goal score goals. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fair. But also, too, you can make the argument that his defensive metrics and two-way ability and penalty killing, you know, is right there. Sure. I mean, Matthews is good two-way, but yeah, you're right. The yeah, penalty killing no, he's and gotten better. overall point totals as well. Pedersen's going to be clearing that, it looks like. so. But we've always seen like when these big extensions sign, especially with the cap going up, is that guys always kind of one-up the next guy, right? Yeah. Or the last guy, rather. Okay. Final one from Jesse. Are the Canucks finally not getting screwed on travel this season? This is a really interesting one because Tockett spoke about it last night, and he spoke about how they're working on recovery because – Traditionally, after a road trip like that, you come home, you lose the first game back at home, right? And it looks like the Canucks didn't really have their legs in the first period there. The fact that they found their legs, Talkit spoke about how they've been doing things a little differently this year. One thing is they're not traveling overnight. They're staying the extra night, right? They're staying the extra night and then they're flying the next day, which I just find really interesting because you know, during the Gillis era, right? There was all that stuff with sleep doctors and recovery you needed if you're the Vancouver Canucks and with your travel schedule. Um, They've been on the East Coast a lot, and J-Pat pointed this out on his hit on Tuesday. The fact that they have this record, despite all the travel that they've already done, speaks volumes to what they're doing in that department in terms of player recovery um, and travel and everything like that. And I'm really curious what it's going to be like tonight for a guy like Quinn Hughes, like I said, who played 30 minutes and now is probably going to have to play similar minutes against the Calgary Flames tonight. Well, before the season... I think there, I think it might have been Hockey Viz that uh, was a site that researched it, but there was somebody that did an analysis of every team's travel schedule, how many back-to-backs, that sort of thing. And the Canucks were, I believe, somewhere around the top five range in terms of most favorable schedule. Now, obviously, because you're on the West Coast, it's it, it's sort of you're still traveling a lot. It's still not as favorable as if you're in the East. And I know for a fact that. When you're, let's say, a team like the Rangers, the Devils, and you're and you play in a division where the travel is so close, they will legitimately, especially especially to veteran free agents, pitch that to them as like, our travel is so favorable, come sign with us. Um, so it's not as if the Canucks have it really easy because when they do travel, they're still traveling a lot. But yeah. overall, at least in terms of the back to backs, um, they've gotten a more favorable schedule than years past for sure. Okay. Canucks are in Calgary tonight. Let's get to our light the lamp contest brought to you by four wins brewing. Vancouver is playing Calgary tonight and we want to know who's going to score the first goal for Vancouver. If you nail it, you could win a $25 gift card to the four wins tap room located at 72nd and river road in Delta enter by following us on social media. Keep an eye out for today's show clip and comment who you think will light the lamp and score the first goal tonight winners will be contacted directly check us out at canucks army or at canucks convo on twitter at canucks spelt out on instagram and canucks army on 
Facebook. And make sure you ask about the Four Winds Light Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered to your front door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. Who scores the first goal tonight, Harm? We nailed it last night. Actually, he didn't score the first goal. Did he? I don't think he scored the first goal. But anyways. Was that 2-1? Yeah, it was the second goal. But okay. we still, that wasn't, we said it in our bet way. We said who was going to score first. Who's scoring first tonight? Mikheyev. Mikheyev. I like it. He has, he's been playing with a ton of confidence. I mean, even he had a little spinorama type move, drove the puck to the net. I'm like, since when did Ilya Mikheyev have these types of hands? He's really feeling it. Zachary Wilson, Linus Carlson gets his first. His first on the first goal. I love that. I, I, I love, love that, that poll. I'm going to go with Philip Peronik. I think Philip Peronik on PP2 with Kuzmenko out. I think Philip Peronik opens the scoring tonight. I think it gives them a new look, and I think they're going to use it. I think Philip Peronik at least scores a power play goal, but I'm going to go with him uh, for my pick to light the lamp for Vancouver first tonight. Miller was the first Canuck to score last There you night. go. See, we were right all along. Never doubted us for a second. Okay, uh, there was one thing in anyone else that we wanted to get to. We're just jumping segments here, but this was You're interesting. You're killing me, Quad. Uh, you don't even have to pull it up, Grady. It was just interesting. Harmon and I were talking about this in the office, and we needed to bring it up on the show. The NHL announced a multi-year NFT partnership. <laughs> little bit late. A couple years late. Yeah, though. a little bit late on that one. And in other news, eHarmony is going to become the official dating app of the NHL. We were riffing about it. Like, how... Far is the league behind with this coming out with an NFT public platform now? Who cares? Like, is anybody talking about NFTs these days? Oh man! man. Next, next thing you're gonna tell me that they're signing a video streaming deal with Blockbuster, <laughs> that Internet Explorer is the official web browser of the NHL. <laughs> oh my gosh! Download your Canucks post game shows on Napster. <laughs> I don't even know what Matt I Napster is. <laughs> I just laugh because Lime I know LimeWire. Heard of that? No. I've heard of LimeWire. Okay, that Napster was the LimeWire before. Lime Neopets. Wire. Oh, now Nexopia. No, I don't know Nexopia. Do you know Nexopia? No. no. That'll be a segment in the summer, I think, is generational gap, and we'll just bring like Sakaris and Price, <laughs> just gradial host, and we'll just have a game show uh, with those guys. And this one is real. Uh, Green Day was the official band of the NHL like two or three years ago. We talk about the NHL being out of touch with their fans. Today they did the Global Series games, oh, and it was yeah. a regional blackout game. How is that <laughs> global? It goes back to the Frozen Frenzy being blacked out in Canada. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? NFL Red Zone was available for any TSN subscriber up until last year, now you got to be like TSM Plus or uh, you got to have Dazen or DAZN. I don't even know what it's called. I have it, but, um, you know, you got you to be a subscriber for it. And up until last year, like the NFL leading the charge on all this had Red Zone readily available. Like everybody could watch Red Zone basically. And it's just, it's crazy to me that they, they try to roll out Frozen Frenzy and they don't have it available in Canada. And by all accounts, it was a smashing success in the United States, but come on. In Canada, you don't have it available. It's just, it just seems like such a miss. Well, it's interesting because these days you need so many subscription services. Yeah. You have to Netflix, yeah. Crave, Disney Plus, Sport, Sportsnet Plus, TSN Plus. I have a great idea. I wonder if somebody could come up with the idea of sort of packaging many of these channels together in a concept sort of like cable TV. <laughs> 
blockbuster to the rescue <laughs> the new streaming part i miss nhl game center man oh, oh for sure from game to game watch the highlights i used to have it on my playstation when i live in toronto like that was just the best it was awesome now you have to take whatever Sportsnet's offering it's anyways just a we joke. digress anyways yeah blackberry <laughs> all, all GMs are going to be using BlackBerry as the NHL announced an exciting multi-year partnership earlier today. Okay. Hey, we got we to gotta get to this. Tweet, oh, this way. is a great poll, Grady. Thank you so much. I completely forgot about this. This is from our pal who's come to our watch parties before at Riot Survivor on Twitter tweeted this out about the Islanders game. He said, that game really embodied Horvat's time in Vancouver. Took a lot of draws, scored a goal, not great on the penalty kill, blew a two-goal lead twice, lost his man, which led to the game winner, and a buddy pointed out out this out to me. You could say he told me that for free. I'll tell you that for three. For wow. three win. I don't know if that is a totally fair tweet. I think it's funny. It's I also want to take a victory lap on you and Grady. Whoa. I, yeah, absolutely. The other day, I'm like, yeah, this is how fans should do it. I think they're going to cheer for his ceremony, and then they'll boo him whenever he touches the puck. You guys are both... No, 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 they can't boo him. What the hell were you guys expecting? That was exactly... Do either of you want to comment on this? Because I called it again. Fair enough, it worked. I, I think Canucks fans did it right. Uh, it didn't... I mean, seeing how raucous the the sort of video tribute was and Horvat tearing up, I was like, okay, that's sentimental enough. Okay, now the booing seems fine. Uh, yeah, you're right. I was wrong. And this is the thing that I pointed out was, look... Hey, there were way more people cheering than booing in the arena last night. And that that was reflected in our poll question on Tuesday as well. But when he touches the puck, nobody's going to cheer, right? So all the boos was all you could hear because it's otherwise quiet, right? And then when Horvat touches the puck, those, I don't know, 5,000, let's just say 5,000 fans that wanted to boo him were booing him when he had the puck. There's no problem with that. That was great. That was, look, if a player is going to talk about how quiet your building was, look, that was management's fault, sure. But hey, show them that it's different now. Show them that it's different, that you give it to guys. And hey, Duncan Keith always got booed here. Horvat's going to get that same treatment. I don't know, though. I don't know if next time the Islanders no, come, he'll get it, it again. I think it's over. He deserve the Duncan yeah, Keith treatment. Come no, on. absolutely not. It's over after this, I yeah. think. I think this is the last game we'll see Horvat. There'll be less last game. This is going to be, right. come on. You can count on there being some guys that are going to boo him in the crowd, right? Ryan Kessler was booed a lot. And then when he got honored for, I think it was, was it Kevin Bx yeah. last night? Yes. Loud, raucous cheer. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I, it's it's the context. And like, you know, fans are allowed to be fans. If you're going to the game, you know, that's part of paying premium prices is that you get to express yourself as long as it's done, you know, in a respectful manner. Like, I don't get how anyone could be upset with that. It doesn't mean you have to agree with booing Horvat, but that's well within a fan's right to do if, if they go to a game. Absolutely. Okay. We'll close it out there. I said it would be a shorter show. We're pushing an hour here. So we'll close it out there for my co-host Harmon Dial and our technical producer, Grady Sass. Our thanks again to Dom LeCision for joining us on this episode of Canucks Conversation. My name's Dave Woodrelli. Thanks for joining us, folks. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app. (laughs) Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. 
Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.